0: Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast, where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode of the show is supported by Kottik Bikes and the Strength Factory. As you'll know, I ride a Kottik Rocket Max and I absolutely love it. Kottik have got a real knack for making fun and outrageously quick bikes, and that carries over into their hardtail range too. They've got the Beefy, which has a 275 and a 29er option and is more your hardcore hardtail, capable of handling whatever you want to throw at it. The Beefy is surely one of the fastest, rowdiest hardtails on the market. If you want something that's still incredibly capable, but a little lighter, designed for a shorter travel fork and a bit more of a mile muncher, then you've got the Solaris 29er too. They all have Kotick's well-known long-shot geometry, so you know you're going to get something that is fun and capable in equal measure. Kotick's hardtails have been so popular this year that they've been selling out each batch before it even arrives so if you want to spice up your winter riding with an awesome hardtail then you need to get on it now both the Solaris and the Beefy have 29 er versions landing in December most of them are pre-sold but there is still an opportunity to get your name down for one if you're a 275 fan then there's a new batch of the Beefy 275 due in February and pre-orders are now open just head to kotick.co.uk to find out more the team at Cotic is super helpful, so feel free to contact them using the details on their website if you want to chat more about any of their bikes. Don't forget to make sure you're subscribed to the show. It's free. It means you'll get every episode as soon as it drops. Super easy to do with buttons for all the major platforms over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash subscribe. While you're on that page, there's a form you can fill in to join my newsletter. It means you'll get a weekly dose of interesting bike related stuff, competitions and products that I've been enjoying. If you want to support the show, then you can head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop and grab yourself a treat. We've got t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies. They're all 100% organic, printed to order and shipped with no single use plastic. Thanks to everyone who's ordered them so far. Keep your photos coming in. It's great to see you wearing them. This episode is also supported by the Strength Factory and I'm joined by their main man, Ben Plenger, to give you a winter fitness blueprint. Ben was responsible for our most popular episode of the year when he joined me in January to help you stay fit and make sure you can still shred when you're 70. This time we sat down to talk more specifically about how to put together some winter activity to give you the best chance of smashing the trails when spring and summer roll back around. We chat about motivation, creating a foundation, the importance of breathing and much much more. There's also a lovely offer in there for you downtime listeners. So if you want to save $20 on the foundation part of Ben's complete MTB program up until the 23rd of November, then you can do that by heading to the strengthfactory.uk and use the code downtime, all lowercase at the checkout. All right, it's time to get stuck into this week's episode. So without further ado, here's Ben Plenger. Ben Plenger, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you?
1: Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, it's good. Good to be back. Um, what a year! <laughs> but you know, ups and downs. But trying to remain positive.
0: Yeah. Well, and you've had a new addition to the family since we last uh, last. Yeah, I up. think
1: we. Uh, my wife squeaked out a little one just before lockdown, so we have got a little boy called Rex, who is going to be seven months old in a in a few days. And again, he's had some ups and downs, like not health wise, but sleep wise, which oh, yeah. has uh, been interesting. For us you know now with two kids but well, at the moment we're going well he's sleeping well um he's fat and happy he's like his dad at christmas <laughs> <laughs> there you go you're in a good place yes mate yeah. cool
0: nice one. well yeah so last time we spoke we recorded an episode called how to shred until you're 70 yeah which uh has actually been the most popular episode of this year
1: really yeah oh sweet that's pretty that's good cool. i didn't know that yeah yeah I, I i was wondering if you'd bring it up or not because um the reaction from that has been greater than anything I've written or spoken or video, anything I've done in the five years. I've been six years running Strength Factory now. Wow. And um, yeah, I'm glad it, it resonated. And I still get people drop me a line who, who are only just finding it now. Who are like, oh, thanks, I'm 50 and my knees ache. And you- <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, that's yeah. cool,
0: man. And it's, yeah, it's applicable to all ages. So if people who haven't had a listen, they definitely should tune into that. There's a lot of good stuff in there. 100%. Yeah, cool. So what are we going to talk about this time?
1: Well, I want to give you guys what I call a blueprint for your winter riding fitness. Okay. So it's thinking about, yes, you know, some people like the idea of like training and structure and all that sort of thing. That's cool. I love that. I know you like that as well. Um, and But for other people, maybe they're not so into that just big. Training, because that, that word sounds like strict and all that sort of thing. Um, but actually, just this idea of being fit throughout the winter and hopefully being fitter in the spring. Whether you call it training or not, it's kind of semantics, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> but but that journey, as we're going now into the autumn, the trails are wet, the days are shorter, motivation can wane a bit for a lot of people. And whilst a lot of us just ride all year anyway like I think most of us ride more in the summer. Some of your listeners are going to race in the summer or have big trips or holidays in the summer that you want to be fit for so you can enjoy them more. Um, And it's kind of like that thing, like beach bodies in the summer are built in the winter. It's the same that that spring summer trail speed uh, and endurance is, is built in the winter, Chris.
0: Yeah. So we're investing now to have a good, a good time next year.
1: Yeah, basically that's, that's how I see it. And it's, it's part it's about next year and it's about now it's about healthy lifestyle and positive habits and actions and yeah just making fitness and training and riding just a consistent and positive part of your lifestyle yeah which i think is really important
0: for sure and you you mentioned motivation so let's start with that because getting out the door to do any kind of fitness based activity in the in the winter is always the hardest part right so how do you Mm -hmm. think about you know, people getting motivated to to look after themselves and to do stuff over the winter.
1: Yeah, it's tough, isn't it, Chris? Because I think this is something that us coaches, when we come on these podcasts and stuff like this, we we often forget, don't we? I mean, you might have the best programme in the world, but if if you don't go to the gym, it's not much good, is it? So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, um, and I think a good way to look at it, and and if you're someone who maybe struggles with this, is to get back to the why, you know, why why do I want to train? Is it because I, I feel I should or do I really want to or, you know, what, what do I want to get out of this? And for a lot of riders, it's simply that feeling of uh, enjoying your riding, you know, not being the person who's always hanging off the back of the climbs in the group or just feeling like you are fit and strong when you ride or in day-to-day life and things like that. And it's finding that that why, you know, for me, the why to really push myself hard in training is a lot easier when, when there's racing, because racing is something I love and I haven't got to do for a year now. And so this summer it was harder to motivate myself to train Yeah. to, you know, I trained, but only up to a certain level. I didn't go that extra bit, you know, because that why wasn't really there. Um, and so it's figuring out, you know, why do I want to do this? At which point some of the listeners are going, ah, sod it. I <laughs> Just <laughs> turn the podcast off because I don't want to do any training. But I think if you, if you have a think about that, it's ultimately the why that does get you out the door on that cold, rainy morning to go for a ride on the road bike or the mountain bike or that gets you into the gym at lunch break from work and things like that. And, and that's at the heart of what motivates you to do anything you know and that's not this isn't my idea this is like deeply rooted in psychology yeah. You know. the why is is everything and so you just need to have a bit of a think about that because um i think people sometimes uh they'll come to me at the gym especially knowing like ex-military background and they're like oh ben's just going to be like motivate me i'm like well on the day i'm going to encourage you and create a positive environment but i'm not there to motivate anyone really um you get a little chivvy along when you need it if you're having a bad day, because we all have that, don't we? <laughs> for sure. But, um, you know, the people I work with are self, self-motivated self um, and I do what I can to to keep that going and to build on that.
0: Yeah. And that why doesn't have to be because you want to go racing, does it? it just, no. It could be for just want to keep up with your mates up a climb or you want to feel stronger and more confident on the downhill yeah, yeah. or you want to be able to ride a whole day of uplifts without getting
1: knackered yeah or you know you just spent a couple of grand booking a trip to whistler hopefully it won't get cancelled okay. but you know you spend all that money you want to go to whistler or morzine or wherever you go because i've got listeners all over the world and well you want to make the most of it don't you like you don't want to be having half days because your legs are sore or because you can't recover day to day. And you don't want to be crashing at the end of a long mountain run because your arms and your, your body wasn't strong enough. Yeah. Um, and that's that's pretty powerful. Why? You
0: yeah, know? for sure. Um, and I guess my other option is to just put it off and then four to six weeks before my trip to Whistler to, uh, you know, get some kind of gym program and hammer myself for those those few <laughs> weeks. Like how how much better is life going to be if I do this bit by bit steadily than, I'm yeah. gonna, than it's going to be if I go and, yeah, put it off and smash for it sure. in the last few weeks? So,
1: yeah, that's a good one. And look, we're all human, aren't we? Like we've all been there. But there, there's two things that, I'll, that I think of when you say that that I'm always going on about. The first one is that something's always better than nothing. I I always say that, rather than striving for perfection. At least you did four weeks or six weeks. I mean, I'd rather you did four months or six months, but at least you did something. So give yourself a a high five, Chris. Um, (laughs) But the other thing that I'm always banging on about, if you've ever listened to any of my podcasts, is that consistency is king. You know, the, the person who is the fittest in April it's the person who was the most consistent between now and then mm-hmm. not the person who went, who who was the most intense in November went on the piss in December. Went, you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. it's all about that consistently chipping away. And that is why the best athletes in the world uh, are that. Yeah. You know, if you think about preparing for an Olympics, you got to be consistent for four years an Olympic cycle you know and actually to get to that point they've probably been consistent in their training for six eight ten years since they were 15 years old or something yeah and uh, and that's why they do it and we watch them on telly so. true
0: yeah, yeah yeah so you're better off um maybe being realistic about what you're likely to be able to achieve and doing less more often 100%. than you are going well I haven't got any time now but I'll make sure I you know I smash out 10 hours a week training for the few weeks before I go sort of thing.
1: Exactly, exactly. And that, that um, I guess, ties into another thing that for me is important. If you think about a blueprint for success in building your your fitness, and it's not necessarily diving into the weeds of how many reps you do of bicep curl or whatever. It's actually, if you want to be successful and consistent, then let's, let's look at that schedule. And I, I did this with a client at the gym the other day. And it's, you know, everyone's got their diaries on their phone now, but how many people put their training in it and things like that? So then, because then it's in there, it's going to happen. You can prioritize it. Yeah. Um, And I'm always a bit wary when people say, oh, I don't have time to do this. And I'm like, do you not have time? Or are you just not prioritizing it? Like there will be someone listening who really doesn't have time. yeah? Yeah. And there's been days or the odd week where I don't have time you know, we've both got babies, sometimes you don't have time. Yeah. But the bigger picture, nearly everyone watching does have time to do something positive to improve their health and their fitness and their riding. It's just about making it a priority. And so if you do want to improve this winter, then have a look at your schedule, prioritize some time, and then put it in that schedule, like put it in your phone or your I use a paper diary. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I block out time for my own training in between clients. Yeah, because otherwise
0: uh, it gets taken up. Yeah, like otherwise,
1: yeah, you end up like running over with the client or you book someone at another client in. And But no, I prioritise it. And so then I do it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So we've talked a bit about the why. Let's talk a bit more about the how then. And what's the best way to start off with it? Would you recommend some sort of like self-assessment
1: at this point of the year to look at? where you're at yeah I mean that is a really good place to start because when we going back to motivation at the start seeing progress like especially progress early on is very motivating so if you're putting in the work and you can then say I am this much quicker or stronger then that's really useful so there's different ways to go about this you you can literally do uh, like a a cross-country loop test or something where you've got a loop that maybe takes you i don't know 25 minutes to 45 minutes mm-hmm. in the uk we might use a trail center or something or you know whatever you've got a bit of climbing a bit of down and yeah day one like what what can i do that in like safely without running over <laughs> running or oh, get that get the, the legal bit in <laughs> um you know how quick can you do that now or or maybe how quick can you do the biggest climb near you? And that's really straightforward to get that sort of data. Yeah. Okay. And it doesn't mean that you're doing like super serious structured training. It's just where am I at? Um, similarly, you could do it in a bit more of a uh, less data driven way and just think about the the mates that you ride with. Where am I in the pack? Like mm-hmm. on the climbs, on the downs, on the traverses, Who's got the good endurance? Am I the one dropping off at the end of the rides or am I strong at the end of the rides? And just have a think about where you're at because that's going to give you some clues about what to work on. Yeah. Um, and then there's, I guess, some more obvious stuff that people would associate with a coach like myself is, you know, so many gyms now, they've got a re- kit that's really useful for this stuff. They, they might have a Watt bike and there's about eight tests preloaded on the Watt bike that you could you could run. okay. Um Rowing machine. I mean, it's not cycling, it's not pedaling, but you know what, if your thousand meter row time goes down, then that's quite a good indication that your engine is a bit better and you're probably going to be a bit more powerful and recover a bit better from explosive efforts on the trail. And that's going to maybe benefit you on long downhills mm-hmm. and things like that. And so you can, You can look at it like that. Um, You can obviously test your strength as well. Um, But this is something that I I do tend to steer away from, to be honest, like testing one rep max, basically. Because for me, like a true one rep max, there's always an element of risk. Okay. Uh, You know, if we're talking deadlift, squat, bench press, that sort of thing, or like a weighted chin up. And there is a place for it. If you are very, very competent in the gym, you've been lifting a long time, but I wouldn't have any new person in the gym going anywhere near their max. Okay. Not for months and months and months and only if they were really competent because what's the goal here? Consistency and riding your bike is not to be the strongest deadlift. And if you hurt yourself at the start of your program trying to pull an extra 10 kilos to who, you know, who cares? Yeah, there's no benefit really, isn't no, there? No, 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 exactly. And whilst there is a benefit in getting stronger, was there a benefit from doing that? Yeah. So actually, the the max is relevant maybe to some people and I might do it with a couple of my more experienced athletes from time to time. You know, it's good to benchmark. But on the whole, you just know, you can see you're getting stronger because on day one, you're doing three sets of 10 you know, with a 60 kilo deadlift or something yeah. and it's a bit hard and you wake the next day and then a month later you're doing it with 75 kilos and it feels quite straightforward. Well, you don't need the max to know that you've got stronger. You can feel that. Yeah. Cause it's happened. And so the measuring the progress there, again, looking at this is the big picture. The, the blueprint to success is to, to keep a training diary. Um, you can use an app, you know, for my online programs, that's all app based. And so it's got a training diary built into it. Mm-hmm. So it's really simple to keep track of your progress. Yeah. But for most of my life, I've used a really like ratty little notebook and a chewed pencil, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. Cause if you use a pen, when you sweat on the page, you won't write, but a pencil still will. So smart man, top tip, top tip. <laughs> um, but yeah, no good if you lose your pencil in the gym, but um, yeah. So I think, just all those little things or choose one or two of them. What works for you? What are you, are you a numbers guy who likes data and stats? Maybe you're a bit of an engineer or something. Or are you a bit more like arty and creative? You know, those people approach these things from different angles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so do it your way.
0: Yeah, but you think that some form of data to track your progress is a, is a powerful thing? Is it a good idea for everyone to do at least something on that?
1: Yeah, because... You know, let's say doing some sort of training or structured fitness doesn't come naturally to you. It's not really been on your radar before. You're picking it up now, or you've started and stopped over the years. You know, after three or four weeks for that person, that's when they start, you know, that's like the end of January, isn't it, for the new year stuff? Yeah. That's when they're already starting to think, oh, I might miss a session or the, but then that's when, after three, three or four weeks, that's when you retest, Chris, okay. and see. Oh, look, I'm faster. I've taken 15 seconds off that climb, or I've taken 90 seconds off my half hour cross country loop, or I'm lifting more, or I'm lighter on the scales, or I look better in my pants, or whatever you know, whatever it is, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, whatever it is that motivates you, whatever it is that you're measuring or keeping track of. When you see that that work is equated to a result, Mm -hmm. then you're going to crack on, aren't you? Yeah. Then that's going to motivate you to go into that second block and then a block of training or, or the second period of training. And then, you know, over time, with a bit of luck, you know, and if it remains a positive thing, then it becomes a habit. And that's a great thing. Habit forming is you know, is everything for things like this. Yeah. Like, and but it takes time because when it becomes a habit, you can still do it when you're not that motivated on the day. Like that's, that's the difference. So I, I, I'm really quite consistent with my training because I've probably first started lifting any weights when I was about 20 or something. Yeah. And I've never really stopped for 20 years and, and so, if I'm a bit tired or whatever, maybe I'll do a little bit less, but I'll still do something because it's it's just a habit to do it twice a week, and I know I'll feel better if I do it. Yeah. So
0: get stuck in, and uh, yeah, once you get used to it, it becomes yeah, exactly. the isn't it?
1: Exactly. And just yeah. and then go back to the why as well, because I think the, one of the most powerful why's is just how you feel. You know, when you when you are fit on the bike. It feels really good. It feels really good, doesn't (laughs) it? I mean, if you think about, without neither of us that I know of, tell me if I'm wrong, I've been at like elite fitness for mountain biking. No, definitely not. (laughs) But we've both probably had periods where you know your fitness has dropped off a bit, maybe around Christmas or maybe you've been ill and you're on the bike and it's it's grim, isn't it? Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, it sucks. And you're like, oh. I'm going to get an e-bike or I need to get fit. (laughs) So, um, yeah. And so then we've also had those rides where you're fresh, you've had good sleep before the baby and, you know, you've done some training and you're flying along. You're like, oh, this is what EPO must feel like. (laughs) And you're just like smashing along. Your mates are saying, go, all right, calm down. Because you're like pushing the pace. Yeah, yeah. And we've had those days and those days feel good. Yeah, they do. They're amazing, but you have to work for them, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: and it's more enjoyable when you fit, like you can ride harder for longer, you can get more out of all the trails, you can pedal on those mm. slightly frustrating trails that should be fun, but they're not quite steep enough to make them fun, like you can carry yeah. more speed into stuff, and yeah, it is it is good, the problem is once you've been there and you go backwards, it's even more <laughs> painful being back where you were that's kind yeah, of, yeah that's the journey i've been on it's this like show, it's but. like
1: looking back at that really hot ex-girlfriend <laughs> <laughs> no, let's move on let's move on <laughs> move, on, move um, on yeah
0: yeah so how do we, go on and how do we like how do we lay out our training so we're we're mm. coming into the first part of like well we're in autumn right so yeah we're heading into winter there's no real racing unless you're southern hemisphere i guess or you're a pro and you've only just started the 2020 season. (laughs) There's not a massive amount of racing going on. How do we divvy up our training and how should we be looking at it?
1: So I am a big believer in like building a foundation, basically Chris. And that's especially the case if you're new to all of this, you know, we don't just throw you in at the deep end. So if you came to me at the gym, we'd start with a a foundation where, and, and what I mean by that is, On the bike, most people are going to get benefit, well, everyone I'm going to say actually, from building their aerobic-based fitness, which is something I'm a big believer in, even if it's not that trendy. Um, And so that's doing that low-intensity work that has just a raft of benefits for you, for the adaptations in the body, that then enable you to do the high-intensity work later Mm -hmm. to a higher level of intensity, so we still do the intense work, but because you've you 've got that aerobic fitness, you can recover from it quicker, and you can do it to a higher level of intensity and get more from it yeah and so by doing that aerobic work, which will then also have a real benefit for your endurance, you know I guess a lot of your guys are probably trail riders, and some of them will struggle with endurance um, that is critical to the i guess the all day riding side and to your ability to recover from hard efforts, whether that's just a hard effort as part of a trail ride, a hard effort as part of a race, or a hard effort in proper training.
0: So I'm going to throw it out there then, Mm. because I've been following your programme for a good while now, and uh, obviously we're heading into winter, so we're on some of this stuff, and I did one of those rides this morning. And uh, I find them quite challenging for a couple of reasons. Well, the main reason is just trying to keep my heart rate Mm. as low as... Kind of is recommended um and you know but which is kind of okay on the flat and this i'm do i do it on a road bike yeah. um but as soon as you get to a hill you feel like you're kind of grinding to a halt and uh, mm. everyone's flying past you and uh, <laughs> it's kind of it's kind of embarrassing but you know it, it's quite um it's very very steady right it's way yeah. more steady than i would ever consider training in inverted commas like i don't feel like i'm getting anything from it now i understand some of the science but maybe it's worth going into a little bit of some of the detail of what's happening Mm -hmm. to the body like so for example like mitochondrial size and capacity right yeah yeah. or density sorry that's a big benefit right can you talk us through some of these benefits because i think it needs selling right it's not the most exciting ride you've ever been on
1: i'm constantly trying to sell this to people i coach (laughs) i
0: mean it's not hard but it's not it's not glamorous it's not exciting and it doesn't feel like it's getting i know exactly
1: what you mean and so if we like backtrack a little there to like the feeling of doing that work okay um can be tricky so I, i never want someone to like physically have to stop and like around Leeds is, is pretty hilly here as well, isn't it? So fairly. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, the that, last, the again, last
0: hill back here mm, would normally be about six minutes. Yeah. yeah. And it took me 10 minutes today to try and keep my heart rate. Just low to try enough. and trundle up. It. Yeah.
1: yeah. And look, it's not the end of the world to go over, but what we're trying to do is just accumulate that time at that low intensity. And yeah, it does take a bit of a shift in mindset. And when people say, like, hills aside, let's put hills aside, when people say that just, like, generally riding around, they really struggle to keep their heart rate that low, well, that's a, that suggests to me that they need to develop their aerobic fitness because they can't ride very fast or very far aerobically. Okay. And so if we develop their aerobic fitness... And then they can stay aerobic, but ride faster. Then we're effectively getting more miles per gallon out of the car. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. And so if you think about a trail ride or even an enduro race, like the more, you know, chances are you're going to be going at the pace of the group on the trail ride or that the race dictates on an enduro race, you know, for the climbs. Yeah. And the more of that stuff that you can do aerobically the the less that takes out of you, you know, you've then got more fuel in the tank, you've got more energy to then do the fun stuff, like the good stuff, okay? To attack the downhill, attack the stage, to, you know, to do a hard effort if you want to, basically. So think of it like like that, like building that ability. And then we all get overtaken by people... who we think shouldn't overtake us. Like the worst one is if you get overtaken by someone on a Brompton <laughs> yeah. and you like think, oh, take a deep breath, Ben. It's all right. It's fine. Cause you just want to race past them and show them who's the boss. Um, but who cares? You know, who cares? We've got to swallow our pride, especially it's probably mostly men watching, uh, listening, not watching. So, but, um, okay. So when we do, Sport, activity, exercise, different intensities has different effects on the body, okay? And so at this end of the spectrum where we're working aerobically, i.e. with oxygen, using fat as a fuel primarily, there are adaptations that we're getting that you don't get when you're working at like 90% of your max heart rate and vice versa. Yeah, One's not better than the other, they're just different. Mm -hmm. And when we do a certain activity so if I said to most people you know if you did three minute absolute max effort you people would describe that as being anaerobic wouldn't they because it burns lots and it yeah. is largely a lot of that is done by your anaerobic system which is like your higher higher end uh-huh. um, but there's still a good chunk of that done by your aerobic system as okay. well so that contributes part of the energy even over short durations like three minutes Okay, and so it's not binary that you do an effort and it's either aerobic or anaerobic. Okay. Except for, at one end, an actual proper sprint, like five, ten seconds. Yeah. It's purely anaerobic. Yeah, all out. And then, like, the really, really easy stuff like, that we're talking about is aerobic. Everything else in the middle is like a sliding scale. Okay. And so, to enable us to do the higher end stuff, the adaptations that we're talking about here. So like your mitochondria are effectively the little power stations uh, in your muscle. And so it's really simple. More of them equals the ability to output more energy for your muscle to do more work. Okay. I.e. more work in the short term, working at a higher intensity, or depending on your training and your goals, more work in the long term to continually work for a prolonged period of time. Yeah. Similarly, uh, if you think about uh, your blood vessels, so that's arteries, veins, capillaries, and they all obviously feed your muscles with oxygen and energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, that's what your blood does. That's your transport system. And a really in- easy way to think about it is your blood vessels like spreading through the muscle tissue to supply it. And the more aerobic training you do, the more of those little like, offshoots you get. I like to think of it because I did a geography degree. <laughs> <laughs> God knows what I did, but I did. Uh, like a, a river system, like a river delta yeah, coming yeah. into the sea. You know, you've got all those little strands coming off. Got it, yeah. Well, the more strands and the, the more dense that is, well, then the more oxygen and fuel you can get into the tissue. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned it a little earlier we can then when you're riding aerobically your body will tend to use fat as fuel which is very efficient but fat isn't very good so fat isn't very good for high intensity stuff because it's less efficient for your body to convert fat into yeah. fuel. So it uses carbs, um, right? So it uses carbohydrate, yeah. exactly. So but if if you think about an all day ride again, that all day trail ride or enduro race, if we can do the climbs and the steady traverses and all of that using our body fat effectively, you know, as fuel. Yeah. Then that means the carbohydrate stored in our body is there for the good shit.
0: Yeah. Which for is the, finite as well, right? You can only yeah, get yeah, a certain exactly. amount of carbohydrate in your body. Like
1: we've all bonked. Yeah. That's when your blood sugar is too low when you, you don't have enough carbohydrate on board. Yeah. Um And so, That aerobic training also then trains your body to use fat as a fuel. And so, again, I want the carbohydrate available for when I do the high-intensity work. I want it available for a sprint if I'm racing, you know, and and things like that. But for the non-racers, it's just teaching your body to use different things. Because then when you do do um, uh, interval training, high-intensity stuff, you should fuel yourself for those sessions with carbohydrate. Okay. So your body gets used to, to utilizing the correct fuel for the correct work. And then you're more efficient and you can ride all day. Yeah. You can enjoy your riding, you know, and so on.
0: Yeah. Would you eat higher fat food on a day where you're doing low intensity work?
1: Yeah. So for that low intensity work, you can, you can do it fasted, Uh um, which you should ease into gradually uh, especially if you eat a lot of carbohydrate normally, like you might get a bit, you know, but bit bonky. Mm-hmm. So you take something with you and just start by doing like forty minutes or something. Or you could, yeah, go for more protein and and fat breakfast. You know, some eggs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that way, yeah, you're uh, you're teaching your body to use what it has available. Yeah. But for most people, you know, once you get into like. I don't know, an hour to ninety minutes. Like that's when most people to need to start ingesting carbs, mm-hmm. unless you're really well adapted to this, um, which some people will be. But yeah, yeah, for most people, that's I'd say where where it's at. Yeah, and then it's just making sure that you don't get in a place where you're chronically under eating or under eating carbs because you think carbs are bad or anything, which right. I, I didn't say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, you don't want to get into that that place either. So. Yeah, healthy, balanced diet and all yeah, that. Exactly. Yeah, exactly.
0: So basically these long sessions might not be the most exciting thing out there, but there's huge mm. benefits to be had in the long run from doing it. I them, believe I so.
1: And look, they don't even need to be that long. Like in an ideal world, yeah, it's really good to get like a two, three hour one done. But I appreciate that, that's not going to happen for most people working Monday to Friday. You can still get a surprising amount of benefit from little and often. So I know personally, if I want to start getting a bit more aerobic miles in, I'd start cycle commuting half hour each way okay, and do that three days a week. And I've racked up three hours of aerobic work in a week without much effort, without a huge amount of time taken out of my schedule. I've never had to find a big block of time. Mm-hmm to like get a leave pass from the wife or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do feel a difference from that. I can see that on my commute, I can, if I commute at a given heart rate, my commute gets faster over a period of weeks at okay. that heart rate, which yeah. shows going back to what we talked about earlier, that testing, I've become more efficient. Uh-huh. So I can do, I try and do my commute below 140 beats per minute. And, yeah, you know, sometimes it's windy, da-da-da. But, you know, you can see generally the trend is that I can do it at the same heart rate, but the trend is it gets a little quicker. So I know that I'm getting more efficient. My aerobic engine is improving. Yeah. Um, And that's just without any long aerobic rides.
0: Okay, cool. And what, so what sort of heart rate percent max maybe is the easiest way to give it? I don't know, but what what sort of range should we be looking to work in for these? Yeah,
1: so... There's different ways of, of calculating it. We won't go like right into the, the weeds of that. But for most zone-based systems, you're looking at zone two is where your okay. aerobic endurance is. So you, you're you spending time at the top of zone two. Okay. And then, yeah, sure. When you hit a climb, maybe you go into zone three. if it's really steep. Maybe yeah. zone four, but try and get back down to zone two. Okay, For people who don't want to use a heart rate monitor, and, and that's fine, out of 10... About four out of ten for effort. At the moment, we're a one sitting here chatting, yeah. and a ten would be your heart is about to explode out of your out of your chest, and you're it's horrendous. Okay, so <laughs> and it takes time to get good at doing that, and then finally, a good way to to pace that as well, if you don't have heart rate, is to just try and do it breathing through your nose.
0: Yeah. So this is something you prescribe in your program, and I yeah. I find that quite. I've actually found that quite hard. Yeah, yeah. It's a real challenge. It is hard.
1: Um, And again, this is very much about the long term. In the short term, for someone who's new to just nasal breathing when you ride, in the short term, it it can really slow you down. But I believe, and the science would suggest, in the long term, improving your ability to nasal breathe and spending more time nasal breathing with your mouth closed – when you ride, it's been really, really beneficial to your fitness, your performance, and potentially like your broader health and things like that. Trying to not be a mouth breather, like saying Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> why?
0: Why is that then? Because I've noticed mm. that I can now ride mm. my, uh, in a higher heart rate zone, good through nasal breathing than I could when I started. That's definitely changed.
1: Yeah. I'm smiling through the microphone because <laughs> it's nice when people follow the program and actually listen to it, and and then it, and then you get changes because I'm the same, you know. Uh-huh. I think my wife will laugh at this. You know, I think that all my life I've been a bit of a mouth breather. Yeah, I am yeah. <laughs> on, on many levels, <laughs> and, um, but certainly even sport and things um, and training. But a few years ago, when I started to become aware of this, and and I was going out and I was trying to do my commute or try and do local mountain bike rides, nasal breathing only. I could probably only get up to about 130 beats per minute. Right. Nasal breathing. Then after that I was having to like grab breaths or I could breathe in through my nose, out through my mouth. Yeah. yeah. And then, but I really persevered with it because I really believed that this would be a positive thing for me. And now my, I'm a bit, a little bit odd I think it's just a genetic thing. My heart rate is all a bit to the left. Like my resting is about forty, okay. Um, which doesn't mean I'm like elite fitness. It's just kind of how I always have been, like low. Uh-huh. Um, but my max is only—I haven't been over one six five in a few years, so wow, it's really okay. low. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so now nasal breathing, I can I can go up to one five five. So only ten beats off my max. Um, so I can go right up. Past my threshold, nasal breathing only because I've worked on it. Yeah, um, and it's hard, and some, and you can't always do it. But anyway, benefits, which is what you asked me. So I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. no, it's good. It's interesting. Yeah, I think that this is something, and it's becoming way more mainstream. You know, yeah, been, breathing is getting a yeah, it's exactly. A big topic now. Like there's been a real big book. i can't remember what it's called that that was really big this year. And they were on radio too. And Chris Evans has been talking about it. And my mum was saying, Oh, I should be, should I be nasal breathing? And I'm (laughs) like, yes, yes, yes. But, um, uh, so let's think about how to go about it. If you think about the bigger picture, first of all, i.e., how we are, you're basically always between two states. You're either calm, relaxed, like we are now, hopefully, or in a more agitated, like fight or flight kind of zone. Yeah. Um, And we should spend most of the time in the first, and that's a good place to be. When we breathe through your nose, it instantly just calms everything, and it helps to set you in that that state, basically. Mm -hmm. Mouth breathing is going to put you more in that fight or flight, that high stress state, whether you, think it or realise it or okay. not. It's subconscious. It's there. Like the maybe I'm getting a bit hippie in my old age, but I really think that, you know, there's the old Buddhist monks, the yogis, all that stuff, I think they've known all about this for a long, long time. Yeah. <laughs> I think know? you're right. I think they're ahead of the curve there. Yeah. the the, the breath is is everything. It's the yeah. heart of everything. Um and so if we can get that nasal breathing with just day to day life, you're in a good position and also just breathing a little less uh just rather than always oh, you know when you're mouth breathing people just are breathing too much all the time and they just don't you don't need that yeah. Just as we sit here now if I weren't talking you should not be able to really see or hear the part the person next to you breathing you should be very faint and shallow through their nose assuming they're in, in good health yeah um and then we take that to um, on the bike or any training. And what we want to do is we want to get the maximum output for our effort, basically. And that is about efficiency. Mm-hmm. But then it's also about underst- Well, understanding that our nose is there for breathing and our mouth is there for eating and communicating, right. just like every other animal. Like or, all the other mammals a dog only breathes through its mouth to cool itself down for instance and so on now whether you think that's relevant doesn't matter but it's interesting yeah. like animals breathe mammals breathe through the nose okay um, when you breathe through your nose you also have at the back of your nose uh, basically I don't know if it's a gland or what I don't know exactly what the right term is but effectively nitric oxide at the back of your nose, and what that does is have you heard of those like beetroot shots? Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, like those. And there's a number of different products out there that do the same thing. And what they are is they contain the same thing basically. Yeah, um, is they're called vasodilators. So, vasos in vascular systems, so going back to the blood vessels, dilate and get bigger. Yeah, okay, and so. The science would suggest, and you know, Team Sky took them and all, all that sort of thing, probably with all sorts of other stuff. <laughs> That's road cycling, um, and a lot of people do take them. and I think the science is pretty solid, actually. Um, by opening up your blood vessels, you can transport more, yeah. like we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah. And and when you breathe through your mouth, you don't get that. You bypass uh, that. Okay. And you breathe through your nose, you get the benefit of that because it add, it basically. You breathe that through yeah. the vasodilators to then uh, open up your blood vessels to get an improved supply of oxygen yeah, to, yeah. Your, to your tissue, basically. Wow, okay. So that is, in a nutshell, what it's about. Yeah. And again, like the aerobic game, which it very much overlaps with, like the aerobic game, when someone says, I can't do this training, Ben. I can't, I can barely walk across the road without having to mouth breathe. I say, well, you are the person who needs this more than anyone else. Like you need, like the guy who can already ride 10 K doing that. He's probably all right. Like we'll do a bit of work on it and think about it, but it's not an issue. If you can't even walk around the block breathing through your nose without having to mouth breathe, then we need to improve that and improving that is going to have a massive effect on your health and fitness. Um, Same on the bike. Yeah. And so it's that classic thing. We live in a world of instant gratification, six minute abs and all that nonsense. Um, This isn't that. If you want to improve it, this is going to take you some time. Yeah. Okay. And it's going to mean some slow rides and it's going to mean, or going for walks and I was going to like say, that. can you replace it yeah, with yeah, something absolutely. else? Like... Yeah, you can walk, you could, you could do it indoors on a turbo because that's a really controlled environment. Yeah. Um, you could do it walking, running, anything. You do it on the, on the rower. Uh-huh. You just can't do it swimming. That's the only place you can't. Um, but yeah.
0: Okay. So I've, I've found with the nose breathing as well that it's, it's helped encourage me to breathe more fully. So, I think because I mouth breathe a lot, I breathe off the top of my lungs yes. and don't use the full capacity. Mm-hmm. Whereas for me to be able to get anywhere, certainly initially, to be able to get anywhere on a bike, nose breathing only, I had to focus on taking full deep mm. breaths and using my full lung capacity. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's actually helped me retrain myself to breathe better.
1: Yeah. And when you breathe through your nose, it makes it easier to breathe like, into your belly as well, like using your diaphragm, basically. Yeah. Rather than when you mouth breathe, you tend to breathe more shallow, shallowly? Shallow? More shallow. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> More shallow and, and into your chest. And then, if, um, tell you what, listeners, everyone at home, listen there, sit up, so, sit up straight wherever you are. And we're going to do two things and just see, like, you can't tell us how you feel, but <laughs> I, I'm pretty confident about what's going to happen. So sit up nice and straight and just take a few shallow, kind of quick breaths through your mouth without really thinking about it too much like that okay i reckon that most of you will have seen like your shoulders rise up and and you will those breaths will have been in your chest and shoulders and your the upper area of your torso and i don't know you don't feel like bad after it but you don't feel like good after it but then if we do the opposite and we just do a couple of slow breaths through your nose into your belly And hopefully that came through the mic. I mean, I feel pretty chilled out. That's a different experience. I'm off to bed now, mate. Yeah. yeah. We'll go and have a snuggle (laughs) um, that, that they are two completely different things and where you breathe and then how it makes you feel. And then if that's not selling it enough is let's think about going downhill on the bike, which we all know is the most important bit. Yeah. And your position on the bike. Um, as soon as you mouth breathe and those shoulders lift up, as soon as the shoulders lift up, you're in this like hunched position, like shoulders up by the ears, like short neck. Well, do you think you can get in a good riding position like that, Chris? No, no, definitely. not. You definitely can't. Like you can't be in that position to be in that good riding position. You know, you need that, a good posture. Posture is everything. Oh, your old Chris Kilmurry, who comes on here, <laughs> always going on about it. He knows what he's talking about. Yeah. Um, Posture is everything. And as soon as you breathe, mouth breathing, shallow mouth breathing into the chest, the posture usually goes, shoulders come up, and then the shoulders aren't in a strong position. You can't then be in, a, in that strong hinge on the bike. Normally the head drops a little. Whereas if we're breathing more through the nose, because you can't always breathe through the nose, obviously, but more through the nose and into the belly, we can have that The shoulders set down and back. So we're in that really positive, open chest position where we can ride downhill. Yeah, and if that hasn't sold it to you, then I don't know what will. But
0: yeah, I did some coaching a few years ago, and the the guy doing the coaching was very keen to get you to breathe through the obstacle. Yeah, like breathe out as you hit the particularly yeah, yeah. tough section of track because it forces you to relax. You can't be tight on the bike if you're breathing properly. Yeah,
1: hundred percent.
0: Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, cool. Well, all right, you've sold me on uh, <laughs> on the and slow rides, and yeah. the, and the good thing is they're not hard. No, just no, no. Take up some you time and then do it, very and exciting. you can do
1: them like indoors uh, if you want to. So you can get uh, get Netflix on. I'm watching Cobra Kai at the moment. <laughs> That'll probably be a good thing to watch in front of your on your turbo trainer, or you know, list, you can listen to this, and you know, you can even go for a walk or jog if you're inclined. You yeah, know, just to to get those central adaptations to your body. Okay,
0: and how much of my week should be taken up by? Mm uh some some of this sort of slow low yeah. training
1: there's no there's no should it's more what can you do consistently okay so it's just it's just different for everyone um i'd suggest that if you really struggle with this um or if you're overweight and things like that then i'd say prioritize it okay uh getting some time out there but then it doesn't work with everyone's Lifestyle, yeah. Um, so it's about what can you do.
0: Okay, can I do too much of it? Because it's pretty low impact on the body, right? Not
1: really. As long as, you know, as long as you feel like you're recovering, yeah. Um, and you know, this isn't going to leave you sore the next day. You're not going to finish it feeling wiped out. So as long as you're recovering, you can't really overdo it. But just always think, you know, is this? You could go a bit hard for a few weeks to get started, and then back it off a bit, yeah. Because you always want to be thinking about that long term, consistent yeah approach
0: is there Um, is there a minimum amount like you'd want to get done in a week
1: or i mean maybe somewhere in the science there is if there is i don't don't know it okay um again something's always better than nothing if you're not doing any stuff at the moment then doing an hour a week's better than you were before yeah yeah. and that's how I, i always look at this stuff like We live in, you got busy listeners. (laughs) Everyone's busy. We live in a busy world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whether that's right or wrong, like, everyone's busy. So if you say, Ben, I can only do an hour a week, I'll say high five, because last week you did no hours. So this week you do an hour, high five from Ben, happy days. All right. Next week, if you do two hours, maybe you'll get a pat on the bum.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, let's move on then from the sort of low and slow stuff to build up that aerobic base. Talk a little bit about the, the, I guess, maybe the more gym focused side mm. of things like the strength and power element to a winter winter fitness program.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, again, I do believe there's a, a role for a foundation there as well. Um, you know, just like we don't go straight into a one rep max in my the way I approach things, uh, just like you wouldn't be thrown straight into to train with elite riders, you know which is why you shouldn't just do what they do on Instagram, which I know a lot of, a lot of uh, your younger listeners are guilty of, but um, yeah, build build that foundation. And so starting with some just straightforward, some body weight stuff, some single leg stuff, some press ups some rows, um, you know, get a bit of weight going, just get some goblet squats and, and things like that, you know, um, and all of that, it teaches you how to move and how to train safely. Yeah. Um, as well as, yeah, just building that level of control. And with that, you get a level of like robustness as well. Uh-huh. So, you know, by starting off with maybe some higher rep work, so maybe doing 10, 15, 20 lunges or something like that, we then build that robustness in the body. So it's then ready to do the next bit, which is, which could be to then do six to 10 reps or three to five reps, which is obviously going to be heavier weights and they put more load and more strain on your body. So we prepare it for that by building that foundation of like mobility, strength, movement and skill so that you're then ready to go and do that next part. And this is something that anyone new to training should do. Um, But also it's something that I revisit every year. So like my top guys uh, and, and even people who, I've got jobs and stuff. Who I've just been training for years. You know, six weeks ago they were all doing power work and explosive work for the race season that never happened. Yeah, you know? but but now we're all having a bit of a reset, and and we're just doing spending a bit of time working on that foundation before they go back into winter training. Yeah. Now their foundation is probably a bit more intense than someone else's who's new. They're different, yeah. but the principle remains the same. And like, I want this whole podcast this idea of a blue the blueprint to be about understanding those bigger guiding principles that can then help you to to get this right yeah you know
0: yeah yeah okay so again like volume in a week at this point in the year how much of that sort of work would be optimum ideal
1: yeah i mean look for me for a mountain bike who's riding a bit I'd say two a week is where it's at. Okay. Um, Of what? Like 45 minute hour session? 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. Um, But if you can only do a half hour in your lunch break, then it's still better than nothing, you know? Um, But yeah, 45 minutes to an hour, I think is where it's at for most people. Um, My experience of people using like my online programs is that when they start off, maybe it takes a little more than an hour because they're learning how to train. They're learning the exercises, um, but then when you get into it, it's more like 45 minutes, yeah uh, 45 to 50 minutes, which is achievable for most people. Yeah. And, um, even at this point, whenever you talk about the gym and training, it, someone in the comments on pink bike or wherever goes, just ride your bike. And, uh, oh, I love it. I just love it when they say that, but <laughs> You can't go mountain biking your lunch break at work. You can't go mountain biking for an hour after work, especially in the winter with all the cleaning and stuff like that. But you can go to the gym probably, or you can go to the park and use the pull up bar, or you can get in the garage and do something. Okay. And yeah. Yeah. Don't be wrong, it'd be lush to ride your bike every day, wouldn't it, Chris? But it would be amazing, yeah. <laughs> that, it's not realistic. Nice. But yeah, let's look. We, we all know that all the people who do ride their bike every day, who can ride their bike every day, they all still train in the gym, don't they? Um, and yeah, I appreciate, as weird as it is to me, that some people don't like the gym. Okay, <laughs> I love it. but And that's fine. And it, it's tricky, isn't it? Because for me, there's no better place to build those qualities, improve your strength and fitness um, for whatever your goal is. There's no better place. Um, most people find it really hard to train at home unless you've got a really a, a proper dedicated space. Yeah. Like I just listened to Ben Cathro on the way up here. Yeah. He made that dedicated space in his garden with the easy up and then you're taking yourself out of your normal living environment rather than trying to do hit workout, in your living room in front of your telly, and yeah. the, which is where you normally relax, you come out of your normal environment and you go into that environment where it's about working hard and making yourself better. And that's what a gym is, or but you know, so training at home's great, and I've got lots of people who've used my body weight program over the years who've got great results training at home, but a lot of people can't stick it for yeah. the long term. I and I can't either. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I struggled in lockdown mm. when the gyms were shut. Yeah, it's like, tough.
1: I just can't, it
0: doesn't, it's not uh, a habit for me, for sure. No. And it just doesn't feel right to me. I struggle yeah. to get my headspace right. Whereas when, as soon as I walk into the gym, I know I'm there, I get it done and then I can leave again. Yeah, so, exactly.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So look I do think a gym is is the, uh, the best place to do that. And to the people who say they don't like a gym, I'd say... when was the last time you went like go with an open mind and without that in your head and and try and or maybe just try a different gym you know maybe you haven't found the right one with the right atmosphere and the right people because people say they're intimidating and things like that and maybe they are to some people um but on the whole they're quite inclusive and positive places and you know what as well like a lot of the people in there who might annoy you, or you may not resonate with, you know, like all the stereotypes, like the bros in front of the mirror, or the booty girl taking the pictures, and there's all these little tribes in the gym, you know, and and it's kind of fascinating how this this has happened over the last like five years with Instagram and stuff, and you just got to go in there and sort of like smile and laugh a little bit and be like oh look at them doing that and them doing that and and I'm not being negative about any of those people because they're all in their training so that's awesome yeah yeah but it is funny because you can kind of attribute them to different little tribes within definitely
0: yeah different styles of uh, approach to the gym we've there's even a couple of people in my gym that bring in a like a Gorillapod tripod thing Mm. to put their phone on to record their workouts and stuff. I don't know if that's for them to like look at their form or to share it on YouTube or whatever, but yeah, yeah, fair play. Like everyone does it a bit different.
1: Yeah. Normally, yeah. Like booty girls filming themselves squatting and stuff like that for Instagram. (laughs) That's big business, Chris. Well, yeah. They make a living. That's true. They're the ones laughing. Yeah. we are the mugs working. They
0: get their free gym clothing. Yeah, exactly.
1: Exactly. (laughs)
0: fair play so all right a couple of gym sessions a week yeah as, that's mu- where it's as much sort of low and slow stuff as we can do where so where does the the riding fit into all of that and should we mm. be trying to do anything specific while we're out mountain biking other than just having fun
1: yeah so that that weekend ride that most people do that's probably going to be with friends like the number one focus there like we're mountain bikers it's got to be having fun and enjoying that ride and we don't want to be skipping rides with your friends to to do training unless you have a very specific goal yeah um but you can still get things done on that ride you know so thinking about more about maybe intervals or improving your climbing you know maybe the group always climbs at probably most groups climb at a fairly, fairly consistent pace. Yeah. Like each week you do the same lap in about the same time. Um, there's nothing to stop you blasting off the front for a minute and then slowing down to a crawl while you recover and then the group catches you up and then you go off again. You know, And right there, maybe you've done a couple of one-minute intervals on that climb, you know, and then do that a few times throughout the ride and you've wrapped up six like one minute intervals, like developing that high end yeah, VO2 max fitness. Um, and you still out with with your friends, still out with the boys or whatever, they'll probably take the piss. <laughs> but then give it a few weeks and one of them will see you starting to get faster and then there'll be another one. It'll be on your back wheel when you do it. Yeah. And before you know it, everyone's benefiting, is my experience at least. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, there's different ways you can do that. And similarly you know if you do struggle with endurance but your group ride is normally only a couple of hours you can do your group ride and then maybe you can tag on an hour of aerobic at the end or you can come early and do half hour loop from the car park before you meet them at the car park and and get a little bit of just a little bit extra aerobic volume yeah and then you can still go and enjoy your ride um and so you can incorporate training or just different approaches to improve your riding fitness into the rides you already do um, as an individual or as a group. Yeah. So I don't ever want to say, "Oh, you can't go riding with your friends. You know, <laughs> that is not me. Like, you know, we both, are, are, yeah, it's the best times, isn't it? Yeah. It's the best bit of the week. Isn't it, yeah, really? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I hope our wives don't listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she does.
0: <laughs> so, all right, we've got as much low and slow as we can fit into our week. We've got a couple of gym sessions. We've got a ride, maybe a couple of Mm. rides a week. How do we look to change that content as we move through the winter? Do we look to change that content? Yeah,
1: definitely. So even though a lot of the guys listening aren't going to be racers, if we use the the racing analogy, because the same sort of principle applies, that as you approach the event, and this is for all sport really, as you approach the event, the training should become more specific to the event. So thinking about enduro racing, but also thinking about maybe doing more trail riding or a a trip somewhere in the summer months. At the start of the winter, the training doesn't resemble that that much because it's maybe that slow duration stuff. It's the strength foundation. Uh But then as you move, towards the season, you know, you can turn the training up more towards the high intensity, the more explosive stuff. So maybe more power and conditioning in the gym. So maybe doing some jumping in the gym and some rowing and things like that in the gym for that higher end trail stroke race fitness. Okay. Um, similarly on the bike, same sort of thing applies, you know, adding in some more high intensity efforts, uh, you know, still keeping some aerobic in the background like every now and then to keep that ticking over, Um, especially if you've already made some good progress on the aerobic, then hopefully by the spring you can ride at a decent pace aerobically. Yeah. And maybe your group ride, half of that might become aerobic by the spring, you know, and then you're getting that work done without having to try. So you're still benefiting, Uh you know. So that's the way I would approach it. And that's the way you know i approach it basically everyone i coach yeah. like from pros to weekend warriors to people on my online program is you know we go through the winter getting more and more specific until we hit the spring where we then go into a period where it's all about that that spring summer speed mm-hmm. maybe at that time of year we're trying to avoid too much fatigue and soreness from the training because the priority needs to be riding the bike yeah whether that's to race or just to have a sick time at the trails on a Wednesday night yeah. you know whereas in December maybe some of the guys here are going to do night rides and stuff like that but a lot of people don't ride in the week in the winter so maybe if you've got a bit sore legs on a Tuesday from Monday's training it's not really the end of the world that's just part of it, isn't yeah. it? that's part of the yeah. game yeah. So yeah, it's just about moving like through the year like that. And then guess what you hit next, next autumn and we're going to do it again. But then next time you start that foundation, next, you start it all from a higher level, you know? And so you can, and that's what, I, that's what I mean by consistency. Yeah. Year Not, on year. Yeah. Yeah. Just being, and, and obviously you can't, get better every year indefinitely, especially as you get older. Uh-huh. Um, but you can make sure that you're consistently fit, healthy, strong on the bike, yeah. year to year, rather than just for a few months, a year, maybe. It's a bit off and on. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Well, I, yeah, and I fall into that
0: trap. Like I'm quite good at getting to a decent point and mm. then either getting ill or having something you know, yeah a child or a lockdown or whatever that yeah. throws me off my habits. And Life then, happens, yeah. yeah. Life and the, happens. And so, I lose it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And 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 that's the thing to remember. And and again thinking about the big picture and being successful at this sort of thing in the long run is not to Yeah, we want you wanna set your sights high, you know, try and achieve something, but we, we shouldn't be striving for perfection. And I think too many people are looking for that in their training. And I've, I've encountered this with people I've coached before and I get really bummed out because they didn't tick everything off the program that week. I'm like, well, you know, your cat died and your van broke down. So, and you missed a session. Who cares? Like we'll we'll go next week. You know, it's fine. Like it's not always going to be perfect. Everyone gets ill. Sometimes everyone, you know, everyone's been affected by coronavirus. On some level. Yeah. Um, Shit happens. You just stop looking for the perfect training program, the perfect training week. Because some people, if it's not perfect, they don't do anything. And like a lot of people are guilty of that. And I'm like, no, what we're looking for is to be consistent. What we're looking for is to like a nice nice little one-liner I like is trying to be 1% better every time we train. You know, rather than trying to go so hard this week, like man, go crazy that you're trying to try, try and, like double your fitness in a week, and then you don't do anything for ages. No, let's let's look at how fit you want to be in a year or next June in eight months, nine months' time. How do you get there? Will you get there by being one percent better every time you train? Yeah, and that that is the that's the maxim behind like all. That like it's not mine okay <laughs> that's <laughs> stolen just would sort of like to clarify from coaches who've been around a lot longer than i have who are a lot smarter than i have and who've coached like multiple world champion and olympic medal winning athletes and that is the that's what we're trying to achieve you know okay. and sometimes yeah you go for that that one session that is absolutely disgusting that really pushes you right to your limits and maybe you get two percent better on that day whatever you know and it, it's all made up numbers but you know what i mean yeah uh yeah so it's just trying to achieve that
0: cool all right well that's a good place to uh start wrapping it up i think there's loads of really good information there for people to kind of think about how they set up for their winter of uh of whether you want to call it training fitness improvement whatever you want to label it but getting better so that this time next year you just come off the back of your best ever summer of riding bikes. You're going to put together some video content to go with this as well, right? To help. Yeah, out a that's bit more. right.
1: Yeah, we will get a link up in the uh, in the show notes. Um, I've started putting together yeah some video just to fill a few of the gaps and just hopefully make it crystal clear uh, and just to help you guys this winter, basically.
0: Nice one. And if people want to get on board with your program, your online program, what's yeah? Tell us a little bit about. Like that, how it works, how they get involved.
1: Yeah, no worries. So I, my online program is called the Complete MTB Program because it, it literally gives you everything you need. Okay, so from that foundation of strength, mobility, movement and, and fitness and then building up and then we follow that pattern through the year that I described earlier, like building into the summer. Okay, now that program is delivered via an app. Now, this is, this is where it's funny because it's an American app. And I know you've got a lot of American listeners and it's called Train Heroic. And that's why all the billing and stuff is in American. Okay? Uh-huh. So I haven't moved to California <laughs> or to, you know, <laughs> the Pacific Northwest yet. I'm still living in Bristol. But uh, yeah, it's all billed in US dollars. Okay. Um, and yeah, it's, a, it's really simple and straightforward to use with two strength sessions a week. A midweek interval session, and then a training task to to try and get done on your weekend ride, mm-hmm. and then we've even got extra things as well there, like uh, like yoga. Have, yeah, you, yeah. have you done any yoga with Andrea yet? I haven't. No worries. Well, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I've when seen I, it, but I've not used yeah. it. But again, like I'm just trying to give that little bit extra to people to help you get the most out of it. Yeah. Um, to make it that complete program that. I'm not sure anyone else really offers. Okay. You know. Um, with the mobility, the on the bike stuff, the in the gym stuff, the yoga sessions. And like I'm trying to do today, I I want to try and help people understand this whole process. So, like as you know, I try and I try and give people the why behind what we do, you know? So every month the program gets uploaded on the app and you also get some information, maybe some video links, some Few paragraphs explaining why we're doing these things, and I try and get that across to everyone so you understand yeah. like the process. So if your listeners would love to, to get on that this winter, then that'd be awesome. There's obviously a link in the show notes. Yeah. And to get started on the program for the eight-week foundation is normally 69 US dollars. Uh, but use the code downtime to get 20 dollars off of that. So that'll only be 49 to get yourself started nice, and that's for your first eight weeks so that's actually mad good value because uh, it gives you everything you need and then at the end of that eight weeks you're then going to be invited to join the ongoing program so you would drop into the winter training so if you join at the end of October when this comes out you'd, yeah you then drop into to that winter strength training to then build you up yeah. into the spring and summer and so on and you be, should be in a really good place. Cool. And that eight weeks is to
0: get people kind of into a position where it's safe for them to.
1: Exactly. It is in. that foundation. So we're teaching you. There's a lot of body weight stuff in there as well as teaching you, uh, things like, you know, how to squat properly with a bit of weight and deadlift and, you know, just really getting all those basics styled so you can then come across safely. Now, I, every now and then, I do let people skip that and come in. So, if you think, you know, if you've been training consistently and you're competent in the gym, then you can drop me an email and and I'll probably put you across on straight okay. on straight onto the subscription part of the program. Got ya. Uh the long term bit. Um, but yeah, most people I think are going to be better off doing the foundation first, um, and people get a lot a lot of value from it from that step back, yeah. that clear instruction. Just to to build them up, especially the the older listeners. But it's the young ones as well who need to like slow everything down a bit. Though, and get a bit carried away, <laughs> cool. like I would have done in my twenties. Yeah, true. <laughs>
0: hey, it's been useful having the app. Actually, I was a bit resistant initially because I'm I'm a paper person. I'm okay. Old, and uh, yeah, but I'm getting I'm getting used to it, and I'm liking the fact now that if I've forgotten an exercise or a detail on exercise, I can get straight to the video which is really helpful. But also I think the best bit is it tells me where I was at on weights from the uh, previous yes. or yeah, my, yeah. my previous best. So that's been, I haven't got to try and remember like, well, how much did I yeah. use on this exercise last week? So happy days. Yeah. No, yeah I'm glad
1: you're liking it because uh there's pros and cons of everything. I mean, I oh, switched yeah. over to the, to the app. Uh, I was going to do it anyway, but COVID brought it a bit sooner. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, on the whole it's gone down gone down really well because it is really user friendly. Yeah, um, simple. You don't have to download anything and it's it's pretty slick operation to be honest. Yeah. Um
0: yeah. Awesome. So where where can people go and find out a bit more? So you've got your website, which is
1: uh thestrengthfactory.uk.
0: Okay. Well and I'll put all these links in the show notes. Yeah, you've no got worries. Instagram and then
1: Instagram, strengthfactory underscore coach. Yeah. And then youtube youtube always yeah, i think it's just the, the strength battery okay but um yeah i'll I put the links in the show notes yeah
0: and there's an absolute ton of really good stuff on there like loads of in-depth videos on different topics and I yeah you, thanks yeah i've been, been working on it a lot, lot actually
1: yeah I, I stepped up my level of effort on that basically uh-huh. it's that classic thing like earlier i always had time i just didn't prioritize it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so you know what i mean uh now I've prioritized it and I've made time to do it, and uh, yeah, got a f- couple of videos on pink bike actually, yep. um, which made a real big difference. And uh, yeah, my friends are joking that I'm an influencer now because I had fifteen thousand <laughs> views on a video. But <laughs> wow, that's
0: good. That's good. game. Yeah, man. I'll
1: tell you what. Actually, I mean, I, I, I'm going to plug that video because <laughs> it's about uh, body position on the mountain bike. Yes, yeah. and breaking it down because. I kind of hadn't... I hadn't really seen anyone out there really break it down bit by bit and talk about the mobility required to get in the correct position on the bike. Um, and, yeah, people, like 99% of people loved it and were like, this is really clear. It really spoke to me. It And a lot of people went, oh, right, okay. And then they go and try something and, you know, like trying to ride with straighter legs and your heels dropped and things like that. And I'm not a skills coach, but you know what? I've been mountain biking all my life. I pay a lot of attention to how people ride bikes. Yeah. And I understand for someone who can't ride a bike ridiculously fast, so I do understand as much as you can looking in, I think how those people do that and what that position looks like. Yeah. And I just tried to communicate that and break it down. So you should definitely watch that video. It's
0: a good, yeah, I've seen it. It's good, but yeah, we'll, all right, we'll stick a link to that in the, in the show dates. notes as well cool nice one well it's been a been a pleasure catching up finding out a bit more and yeah I look forward to being consistent this winter with the program and uh feeling the benefit I am already feeling a lot better than when the gyms reopened and uh I started getting back on it so yeah thanks for keeping on supporting me and helping me out with my fitness and strength and uh yeah hopefully people can get involved and, and give the program a go
1: yeah thanks so much Chris yeah really enjoy coming on And uh, hopefully I'll see you soon.
0: Awesome. Cheers, Ben. Cheers. All right, that's it for this episode with Ben. I hope you've enjoyed listening and that it gives you some inspiration and guidance to get better this winter. A massive thanks to Kotick and Strength Factory for supporting this episode of the podcast. If you want to get on Ben's Complete MTB program, then as a downtime listener, you can save $20 on the eight-week foundation part of the program up until the 23rd of November. All you need to do is head to thestrengthfactory.uk, navigate to the Complete MTB program and use the code DOWNTIME all lowercase at the checkout. If you want to spice up your winter with an awesome hardtail, then Cotic Bikes are the people to visit. Head to cotic.co.uk now and check out their Solaris and Beefy models. Don't forget, they've been super popular, so act quick if you want to get your hands on one anytime soon. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you fancy representing the show, then you can grab yourself a t-shirt or one of our brand new sweatshirts or hoodies by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. Keep warm, look good and help support the podcast at the same time. You know what to do by now? Keep on spreading the word about the podcast. There's zero marketing budget, so it really is you lot that have got this to where it is. That's such an awesome feeling for me and I appreciate every single one of you who's helped spread the word. Please keep it up. And also, if you've got a couple of minutes, a review on iTunes is really helpful too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up soon. But until then, get out and ride.